Hey, Mike here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Dark Poutine early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hey, this is Mike, and I want to take a minute to introduce you to another great true crime podcast from the Curious Cast podcast network called Crime Beat. Ride along with crime reporter Nancy Hicks as she takes you inside the cases she has worked on over the past two decades. Season three is available now. Take a listen. May 4th, 2013 was a beautiful sunny spring day in Calgary. The warm weather meant people were finally spending time outside. In one new suburb, neighbors got together for a barbecue and drinks. It was a memorable night filled with good conversation and laughter. There's a lasting reminder of that evening, a photo of two men looking straight to the camera, smiling, having a great time. But just minutes after that photo was taken. Another one for what city? Hello? Hey, in the ambulance right now. Okay, are you calling from Calgary? Yes, there's a guy stabbed multiple times. It's a brand new neighborhood in the suburbs of Calgary where grass hasn't even been planted yet. The sidewalk is now stained with blood in front of a home marked as a potential crime scene. There was no indication at all from them that this was going to be the end result. I'm Nancy Hickst, a crime reporter for Global News. Today on Crime Beat, a case that will leave you questioning what horrors you can encounter just two doors down. This is the story of Mr. Kellaway. This story began almost 50 years ago in Glace Bay on Cape Breton Island on the eastern edge of Nova Scotia. Harvey and Monica Kellaway met when Monica was a clerk at a town hall and Harvey was a police officer. They worked in the same building, but a chance encounter at a wedding gave him the opportunity to ask her out. And the rest, as they say, is history. They got married in May of 1973 and soon after tried to start a family. After eight years, they were pretty much resigned that it wasn't meant to be, until... I wasn't feeling good. And then uh, I didn't think anything more of it. I thought the flu was on the go. It was in the fall. And I went to see my doctor, and he sent me for the test and everything, and he said, you're three months pregnant. They soon met the miracle child they'd always hoped for. Craig was born Thursday night, May 28th at 9.43 in the night. He was 8 pounds, 21 inches long, and he was my baby. He was the type of baby that he wanted to be on the move, and it didn't matter what time of the night you put him down for sleep. It could be 10 o'clock, it could be 8 o'clock. He woke up at 5 or 6 on the dot every morning. It was unbelievable. But he he wanted to be into everything. He had to, he would go after the TV and change the colors on the TV. Oh, he, he was something else. Before long, Monica was pregnant again. 
And just over a year later, Craig became a big brother. Soon, the two boys were playing hockey every chance they got. There's a path in the woods, and I take a shovel, and those a lot of spaces, the ice was clear, and that's where he learned how to skate. And then just the hockey stick, and that was it. He loved it. Hockey was a lifelong passion of Craig's. But after university, he found his true calling in teaching. For about a year, he worked as a substitute teacher in his hometown, then surprised his family with news that he was headed west. Craig was a type of person. He was a homebody. He liked being home. He liked Cape Breton. He liked Glace Bay. You know, his buddies were here and everything, his friends. But it was a shock to see that he had gone. The move was a huge stepping stone for his career. And it wasn't long before he was teaching full-time at David Thompson Middle School. He got along with them so well, like in... Being a Cape Bretoner, he, when he went there, he would stop at Tim Hortons before going to the school and he'd have coffee in them for, for them. Craig, or Mr. Kellaway, became a role model for his students. So he was a science teacher. He sometimes he dabbled in math. Occasionally he subbed in English, but he was bad at it. <laughs> um, uh, he was always a gym teacher as well, sometimes substituting on that. He was really all around. Jackson Hector first met Mr. Kellaway when he was 10 years old. He was trustworthy, he was kind, and it was, it was kind of like another father figure to me because, you know, the countless advice and hours he put into us as students and there are, there are testimonies and countless hours I can only imagine that other students had with him and interacted and they, we wouldn't trade it for the world because it made us who we are, who we are today, for sure. Jackson's family had just moved to Calgary from the UK. He was struggling with the transition, ended up in a bit of trouble, and got suspended. When he returned to school, Mr. Kellaway was there to help set him on the right path. For me, it was heartfelt, tears everywhere, because I was just, it was kind of like someone finally cared enough to tell me. Not saying that my parents were not there, they definitely were, but it was just, you know, having that outlet of someone on the outside looking in to be like, hey, like, I understand your situation, I know where you've come from, I know it's rough for you, and I know things may seem tough, but, you know, don't give up. The staff and students, including Jackson, at David Thompson Middle School, became Mr. Kellaway's extended family. Whether it was organizing floor hockey games or helping a student get extra tutoring on a weekend, Mr. Kellaway was always there. After a series of unsuccessful romantic relationships, Craig put down roots in Calgary. And in December of 2012, he had a son named Blake. <laughs> <laughs> He was proud. He had that smile on his face, you know? He just had to see him. Very attentive father he was to him. And he used to say to me, I can't wait till he gets older because I can teach him how to skate and play hockey. And I said, Craig, don't wish your life away. I said, the time will come. No one knew the turn Craig's life was about to take. 
By 2013, Craig was building a happy life in Calgary. Even though the relationship with the mother of his child didn't last, he loved spending time with Blake, who by then was five months old. And he made sure his family, who was across the country in Glace Bay, always felt included in his life. Craig called us three times a day. You can go by the clock. If it was 9.30, soon as you saw 9.30 here, you know that that's Craig. It's 6.30. He's on his way out the door to go to school. And then at 6.30 in the evening, the phone would ring. It was Craig. He's on his way home from school. And then he'd say, I'm, I'm home now. I'll give you a call after I have supper. And then about 9 o'clock our time, then we get a call from him again. Majority of the times, three times a day. That spring, Craig was just settling into life in a new Calgary suburb. It was a brand new community on the southeastern edge of the city. It was so new, most of the homes didn't even have grass planted or fences built. When they started to dig the basement out and put the concrete in, uh, he sent every picture. Every stage of that house being built. On Saturday, May 4th, he met a couple who was also new to the neighborhood and invited them over for a barbecue. We FaceTimed with each other that that afternoon. And uh, and I looked and I said, oh, you got Caper. Caper is his dog. And he was up on the, on the Chesterfield looking out the window. And we were talking about different things and that. And he said he was having a barbecue that evening and having a couple of friends over. Craig told his parents he was going to spend a few hours with Blake, then take him back to his ex's place. He returned home to his girlfriend to get things ready for the barbecue with the new neighbors. Then he said, uh, I gotta go. He said, I gotta go change Blake's pamper. I said, okay. So uh, Harvey said to him, he said, Craig, call us around nine o'clock tonight, which would be six o'clock. Calgary time. Monica ended the call the same way she always did. I said, take care, love you. Later that night, Monica and Harvey waited to hear from their son. Hours went by, and there was no word from Craig. Not a thing to worry about. No, just another Cape Breton barbecue. We figured, oh, he's just enjoying his company and We'll hear from him tomorrow morning. Because usually if he did have a barbecue with some friends over, that's what he did. He wouldn't call that night. And then the next morning he would call and he'd say, I never got back to you because because of uh, having guests over, you know. What happened next still haunts her. Yeah, I never thought that I'd be going through what happened the next day. Hmm, seven o'clock the next morning, Harvey was, uh, Harvey's always up early. And uh, he hollered to me. He said, Monica, stay in bed. I said, why? He said, the police are here. Two cop cars. And another cu- a couple of cars. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, just stay there. He said, I'll handle it. So I thought, oh, God. 
I better get up. Monica said when she went into her dining room, police were there. So was her cousin. And I said, what's going on? She said, it's Craig. He's gone. I said, no, he's not gone. She said, Monica, he's gone. And I said, no, they can fix him. I figured he was in a car accident. And then I said, they can fix him up, can't they? And she said, no. She said, Monica, he's gone. At that time, police in Glace Bay could only tell Monica and Harvey that their son was dead. It seemed like it was a blur, like I couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my head. I just couldn't, I couldn't accept that he was gone. How did a friendly barbecue between new neighbors turn deadly? Here's the panicked call made to 911 early in the morning of May 5th, 2013. To hear the full episode, search for Crime Beat right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe to Crime Beat so you never miss an episode.